So it's like this. Um, we're going to start a new sermon series. And it, they, they say that like, like all the cool churches do, these, do sermon series. And so we've got to do sermon series. I only really like to teach the Bible, so I'm not very good at making sermon series. So I just like make these series along with whatever I'm going to teach. So we're doing this new sermon series called What Would Jesus Hate? And I may or may not actually make the connection to that because I'm just kind of teaching the Bible. And so uh, that's our new sermon series that may or may not be relevant to what I'm talking about out of the Bible. And they also say that you're supposed to make these like one of the most important parts of the, the, the sermon is the introduction. You've got to come up with these introductions because people haven't been living with the text that you're going to teach on like you have because they have real lives. And so you come up with these introductions. Our youth pastor, Dave Ivey, is really good at introductions. I'm always jealous of, of him. I'm not very good at introductions. Um, so that was the introduction. I'm also not going to put Bible up on the screen today. I would love for you guys to follow along. So um, if you could grab one of the blue Bibles, um, or if you brought your own, that's good too. If you don't have a Bible that you can easily read, like some of you might have like an old Bible sitting around, but you go to read it, and, and like some of you grew up with the King James Version, and you appreciate it, you really like King James, you can follow along with it and understand it. I know Mike Kerr is a King James guy, right? Um, others of you not familiar with King James Elizabethan English, you, God, he wenneth, toeth, theeth, storeth, and aideth some whittles. And, and you don't know what you just read? There's no need to, to hang in that version of the Bible if you don't want. Uh, the English Standard Version or the blue ones, they're a little more readable, um, or the or whatever. Here's my point. If you don't have a version that you um, can connect with at home, or you don't have a Bible at home, just take one of those blue ones, put your name in it, it's yours. We'd love to give you that as a gift. And then also as we work through these things, man, mark it up. Write in, some of you maybe had, you know, grandma always told you never to write in the Bible because it was a holy book. Man, my, my earliest copies of, of Bibles are, are highlighted and right through and, and, and all that. Um, don't cross things out that you don't like. Um, <laughs> But, but man, take notes and make it your own. All right, so um, I'm going to say let's start in Luke. Let's start in Luke, and I'm going to try to leave nobody in the dust here. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. Those are the biographies of Jesus. That's where you turn to read about the life and teachings of Jesus, which is kind of what it's all about. And so we're going to read about the life and teachings of Jesus, and we're going to try to do what we read because he's our example to follow. And that's what it's all about, following the teachings of Jesus. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find those. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 3. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you're in the Blue Bible, go ahead. What, what page number is Luke chapter 3? 951. And the big numbers are the chapters, the little numbers are the verses, and we're going to start halfway through verse 2 and start learning about a guy named John the Baptist. He was named John, and then he got the nickname John the Baptist because he baptized people. That was kind of his thing. So, 
Uh, I'm going to start in halfway through verse 2. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is always a trigger word. Whenever you read the wilderness, it almost always is going to pull the Jewish crowd to whom this originally came to back to their time in the wilderness, which was a time of, like, transformation, a time of correcting, a time of, 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 of renewal. Um, uh, it was sort of the place where they were given their identity by God. And so many times through the Old Testament, there's this journey into the wilderness and that's the point at which the person is given their identity or kind of gets recalibrated. And so here we see John, a voice coming from the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you see the word repentance, it means sort of a, an about face or a change. So there's a baptism of change for the forgiveness of sins. So the people are going to go into the wilderness and they're going to see um, John and they're going to hear his message and they're going to decide to live differently. And in order to kind of solidify all of that, they're going to be baptized and it's going to be ultimately uh, for, it's going to mark the forgiveness of sins. So there's change, there's renewal, there's washing out in the wilderness, incidentally, this is going to call them back to hundreds of years before, when the Israelites left Egypt, they went through the water to get their new identity. So that's all kind of there as John the Baptist is teaching in the wilderness. Uh, there's washing, and it's for a change, and it's for the forgiveness of sins, fresh start, connection with God, all that. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, Hundreds of years before all this took place, there was Isaiah who was a prophet who wrote a book in the Old Testament. And the book of Isaiah specializes in saying, one day a Messiah is going to come and change everything. So there's been this, this promise, this prophecy in the consciousness of the Jewish people up to the point of John uh, from, from Isaiah saying, one day God's going to change all this. So here we go. Um, Isaiah the prophet, this is from Isaiah chapter 40. Don't bother turning there. Um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled, every mountain and hill will be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places become level ways, and all flesh, this is for everybody, everybody will see the salvation of God. So he's saying, hey, here's a voice in the wilderness. Remember that back in Isaiah when we talked about a voice of a wilderness? A day when God was going to make things straight again? He's going to bring high things low and low things. It's, it's the idea of correction. Everything's going to get corrected, recalibrated, made straight. Everything's going to make sense again. There's going to be a day when God is going to send somebody. And you'll know it's about to happen when you hear this voice in the wilderness crying out. So John the Baptist, voice in the wilderness crying out. Going back to Isaiah saying, it's been, you've been waiting on this for hundreds of years. Here we are. Now, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham our father, for I tell you, God is able 
from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now stop there for a minute because it sounds like John the Baptist is mean, doesn't it? He's got these crowds coming out to him and he's like, the axe is swinging. The axe is going to cut down the tree at the root. You brood of vipers. Who warned you that you needed to... Like, like, that's like mean to say to a crowd coming out for help. We get a little bit of insight here. Turn backwards to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew's going to fill in the blanks a little bit. Now, you'll see this every now and then in the Gospels. One of the helpful things you can do if you're new to this is to read the Gospels back to back to back to back. And, and just keep, keep doing that, and you'll see the different authors saying things differently, filling in cracks and, and bringing about more of the story. So for Luke, the crowds come out, and John's at them. He's like, who warned you? The axe is swinging. He's going to sort things out. Now let's look at what's really going on here. A little, a little more of the picture is, Chapter 3, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is, is he who is spoken by the prophet Isaiah, voice crying in the wilderness, all the same stuff. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Um, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, a big part of the religious system, which was very corrupt, when he saw them coming to his baptism, he said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up the... You see, we've already seen all that. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, that helps us understand that really what John the Baptist was doing is these Pharisees, these religious leaders are coming out. With the crowd. Now, in Jesus' day and time, the religious system was structured to say, here's what's in, here's who's out. There's all these customs. There's all these birthrights. There's all these procedures. There's all these rituals. That's what makes you right with God. And you connect with these people and you're in, and you avoid these people and you're out. Children of Abraham is the trigger phrase there. That's what lets you know that in Jesus' day and time, the religious system was based on basically being Jewish. If you had the birthright and had gone through all the proper rituals, you were okay and in. And the ones who protected this system were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they come to John, and John says, Who warned you to come out to this, you brood of vipers? The axe is swinging. Now let's look at the axis swinging. Turn with me to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. <coughs> Malachi chapter 4. 
Let me know what uh, page that is when you get there. Malachi chapter 4. 891. The Old Testament ended with Malachi. 400 years before Jesus and before John the Baptist. They get this prophecy which basically says, hey, no matter how bad things look, God will send somebody to do something about it. God will send somebody to do something about it. Malachi 4. <coughs> For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. So God says all the arrogant and all the evil are going to be dealt with. This was a prophecy that the people of Jesus' day and time would have known well because it was like their only hope in the midst of a very corrupt Roman government and a very corrupt religious system led by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. A day is coming when God is going to make things right. A day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them with neither what? Root nor branch. See the connection there between what John said, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they come out, he's like, God is swinging the axe. He's going to cut down at the root. Calling them right back here to this prophecy. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall, shall rise with healing in its wings. You will go out leaping like calves from the stall. You'll tread down the wicked, uh, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On that day I will act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb. He's calling him back to the Ten Commandments. The basic, this is how you treat people to live in community with God. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. He'll recalibrate everything. Lest I come and strike down the land with, with utter destruction. So here's what he's saying. This prophecy in Malachi says there will be a day when the prophet Elijah will come. And he's going to cut like an axe. God's going to begin to devastate the wicked, the unrighteous, the evil. That's the word he used. So 400 years later, we see this figure coming from the wilderness who's dressed in what? Camel hair, whose food is locusts and honey. What's the Bible say about Elijah? Camel hair, food, locusts, and sunny. John the Baptist becomes this Elijah figure that Malachi's talking about who cries out, from the wilderness to the people. So what we're doing here is what we're seeing here is the gospel saying this new day that they had been waiting for for 400 years has arrived when God strikes against the evil. Specifically, now who's labeled evil in Matthew's gospel? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. So the religious people, the protector of the religious system, come out to see John, and immediately they are identified as the one God wants to cut out. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that a scandalous political statement there? That it's the religious people that are the problem. Now, let's go back to Luke. We'll go back to Luke 
chapter 4 and pick up where we left off. And this is where it gets exciting. Love it. So Luke gave us the version of the axe being laid to the root and and every tree, therefore, that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, which is specifically a reference to the Pharisees and Sadducees, the clergy of Jesus' day. And the crowds asked, what shall we do? And he answered, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized And said to him, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers asked, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations. And be content with your wages. This is, this is, I I love it. The religious leaders of the day, again, this is a system where it was all about who you were and who you knew and where you were born and, and following the rules and going through the motions. Sit, stand, kneel, go to church, know this stuff, believe this stuff. These are in, these are out, understand that, stay away from the bad people, hang with the good people, it's all categorized. The Pharisees go out, and John's like, you get the axe. But the tax collectors, the lowest of the low on the so that like they they were the the slime balls in the religious system. Jesus says, You want to be in, treat people well. Then the Roman soldiers, the ultimate evil empire and the symbol of the evil empire, the Roman soldier. What are they doing? They're going out to John saying, What do we do? How can we be in? So there's this radical message of who's in and who's out. The religious leaders and the protectors of the ritual. You're out. You're out. Who's in? Tax collectors and soldiers. That's everybody and everything that the religious system has identified as evil and out of God's kingdom. Now all of a sudden they're in. If they do what? What should we do? Treat people well. Be generous. When you see someone need, share what you have. And if you begin to share what you have and actually do something about so he invades this system of rituals and going through the motions with a new approach. It's not about rituals and going through the motions. It's actually doing something about something. And you can be very far from God at the moment. Tax collectors, Roman soldiers, whoever. And if you begin to step in to a different flow, a different approach of life. You're in the game. So for hundreds of years, they're waiting for God to collapse the system, to strike down the system. And it all begins with John, with this radical message of who's in and who's out, based on their approach to generosity, based on their approach to actually doing something about something. All right, let's look on now to Jesus moving on to the scene. Let's go to chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. 
And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So now we're back to Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Remember, Isaiah was known. He's the prophet who's prophesying the coming Messiah who's going to change everything. He pointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began uh, to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So that prophecy in Isaiah said there will be a day when somebody comes to actually do something about something. There will be a day when somebody comes and goes to those who are in need, whether they be blind or whether they be oppressed, and he actually does something. So in a world of religious rituals, Jesus says now it's time for some action. That day is here. That day is now. So John the Baptist had said, you want to be a part of this, get ready to use your resources to actually do something about those in need. Then we have the model Jesus saying, now the time has come when the blind are healed, when good news is preached to who? The poor. When there's finally good news for the poor, when the captives, when those who are being oppressed, i.e. everybody else that's not on the inside of the system, when they're being set free, that's what this movement is about. Then, I want you to turn slow with me. Look at the headings on the pages now. <coughs> Chapter 5, Jesus cleanses the leper. How does he cleanse him? He touches him. The religious leaders would have never touched a leper. You were unclean if you touched a leper. Jesus is touching lepers. Then he's calling, see the call, Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector, the lowest of the low in the religious order. Jesus says, hey, you, you're good enough. Why don't you follow me? You're in. Then he's questioned about fasting and Sabbath. He's breaking all of their rules and customs as he goes about touching lepers, calling tax collectors, then it gives a little bit about his teaching, which is the idea of loving your enemies, not judging people, and doing, actually doing what he teaches and following his mind. Then he, look at seven, Jesus heals the centurion servant. He's actually serving and helping the evil empire. He's interacting with Roman soldiers again. Then he's touching coffins. So you see what's going on here is, he brings this message of, I am here to actually do something about something. And now he's, all this stuff is scandalous. In a world of ritual and of who's in and who's out being clearly defined, he is breaking all the rules and turning everything upside down for the good of people in need. Because that's what kingdom he came to bring. Now, we get to 7, verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to, to John, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? 
And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who's to come, or should we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people with diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, saying, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So even John the Baptist, and this is just, Jesus does his thing. And it doesn't quite line up with the expectations because people had been waiting for a different kind of revolution. Even John seems to be like, did I back the right horse here when I introduced everybody to Jesus? Because it seems as though they're waiting for more of a, of a political, military sort of Israel being restored in the world community kind of a thing. And Jesus says, Sort of, no, no, John, you know what this is about. People who have real needs are being liberated and healed. This is a movement of action that helps real people in need. Go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. And, and sort of, sort of what, what Jesus affirms is, don't worry, John, I, I am the one. And people are getting what they need and that's what this movement is about. This is a movement about real action for real people in need. And it is for everybody. Jesus goes on and he says, it says, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Some pushover? No, that's an easy one. Did you go to see someone dressed in nice clothing? No, they live in palaces. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That sort of means a new era came with John. At least this is my interpretation. With John came the ending of the old approach and the beginning of the new approach. So John was this incredible, 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 prophetic Incredible prophetic means incredible. Incredible prophetic figure who brought an end to the old way of approaching God. So when Jesus says, whoever's least in the kingdom is even greater than he's saying, you guys have the opportunity to be something, to be a part of something so much greater than anything that has ever been up to this point, simply by stepping into this movement. It's available for whoever wants to step into this movement, and it's here and it's now, and it's available to you. Then he goes on to say this, and I love this. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, Again, these are loaded statements meant to bring to mind a kind of person to the reader. 
and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. So the tax collectors are in. We've established that. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, the teachers of the law, the clergy, rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So in other words, there's a way of life. And the tax collectors choose it and are right with God. But the clergy, the protectors of the old order, they have rejected what? God's purposes for who? For themselves by rejecting that approach to God. So it's pretty clear here. If we want to embrace God's purposes for ourselves, we do what? We step into a flow of life that Jesus came to bring. Generosity, doing something about something. If we want to reject that and instead choose meaningless ritual, we can do that. The choice is ours, but we've, we've rejected God's purposes for ourselves. So you think about the kind of people, and there are plenty out there, that choose to feel good about themselves by the rules that they follow, by the rituals that they go through, and it's really all about just going through these rituals and feeling like you're okay because you went through these rituals. There are people who spend their whole life doing just that. But it seems that when they choose that, they are rejecting God's purposes for their very life. Instead, there are people from all kinds of colorful pasts who one day choose, I'm going to live differently. I'm actually going to do something about something. And when they do that, they step into God's kingdom. So really, let me go back to the sermon series. What would Jesus hate? Indifference. Jesus hated indifference because it wasn't what we're for. We're made to do something about something. The Jesus movement is about doing something about something. So the best thing that you or I can ask is, is are we doing something about something? Is there someone in need? Is there something somewhere going on where we have said, you know what, I'm going to actually use my resources, my energy, my time. I'm going to do something about that. And it's going to be different. And it's going to be better. Because I stepped in and did something. Someone's in need somewhere. Someone needs a helping hand. Somebody's going through something. Somebody needs liberated from their situation. And you say, I'm a part of the Jesus movement. I am going to do something about that. The Jesus movement is about doing something about something. John came to bring a new way. And it's for anybody. Anybody can step in to be a part of it at any time. It's for you, it's for me, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been. And I would so much rather be a part of that than either anything selfish or anything sit, stand, kneel, ritual. That's not our purpose. We were made for more. And we can step into that whenever we want. All right, let's pray and we'll do one last song to just kind of let it all soak in. Father, thank you for calling us to something greater. Oh, it would be so miserable to have to just go through a bunch of motions and meaningless stuff to try to placate you. But instead, you make us to get things done. And I pray that for each of us, your word says that, that you have created things in advance for us to do, and that's what we're made for. Guide us to those things and, um, and, and inspire us. 
uh, and encourage us and help us to find uh, strength and, and, um, and courage to step into those things and make a difference in the world and actually do something about something. In Jesus' name, amen.